Hello, everyone, and welcome to End of the Line. I'm Jim Anderton, Multimedia Content Director at Engineering.com. On today's episode, half a century ago, blowing up test articles was the way to develop new rockets. Today, for one rocket manufacturer, it's still the way forward. Here's why. You know, when Elon Musk launched SpaceX, his stated goal is to make humans a multi-planetary species. Now, that's a lofty ambition, but from an engineering perspective, I think what he really meant was that he intended to make space launch so ubiquitous and so low in cost that it would approach airliner operations. Now, reusability is one path, but the launch cadence anticipated and seen with the Starlink satellite network, well, it takes a lot of rockets, and that means production. Now, there's a common belief out there that spacecraft are hand-assembled or are one-off vehicles built like Swiss watches. And while parts of that are true, the reality is that space launch was always based on production hardware. The reason was simple. Now, 60 years ago, the hardware was derived from military intercontinental ballistic missiles, which were ordered by the U.S. Air Force in quantity, and they're armed with nuclear warheads. Now, mass production introduced many problems for companies traditionally involved in aircraft production, but the large order volumes had two significant advantages. One was lower unit costs and also a faster learning curve when exploring new manufacturing technologies. Now, the poster child for this was the Convair Atlas, a remarkable machine that had no rigid airframe at all. It was essentially a thin wall stainless steel balloon supported by pressurized nitrogen gas. Now, this unconventional airframe design well, it created an incredibly lightweight and strong structure, but it needed the development of entirely new welding, fixturing, and testing methods at a time, 1955, when most engineers' computational capability represented a slide rule in their shirt pockets. Now, the urgency of the time, you know, which was racing the Soviets to develop nuclear missiles, you know, and the unique program management techniques required led to something called concurrency. Now, the idea of concurrency was that product design, prototyping, testing, development, and production all happen at the same time, compressing project time from years to months. Now, in the normal development, production, and operational cycle, we usually take steps in series. By that, I mean we carry out a study program, and then a development and test program, and then we go into mass production before we finally introduce these weapons into the operational inventory. As a result, there is a long time period between the initiation of the development program until we get a new weapon system into the operational forces. We have attempted in the ballistic missile program to greatly reduce this time period. We have done this by what we call a management philosophy of concurrency. By this I mean that we at the same time are carrying out study, development, test, production, and operational actions. Now, manufacturing professionals out there may look at this as crazy. In a way, it was, because any difficulty significant enough to cause a change in the vehicle design or manufacturing process rippled through the entire system. This created a change notification and variance management system that would be a nightmare for even modern software to cope with, let alone systems based on number two pencils and Gantt charts. One consequence of concurrency was that Convair blew up a lot of hardware. In the late 1950s, that was the way high-priority, leading-edge rocketry was developed. But half a century later, finding element analysis, computer-aided design and manufacturing, plus advanced simulation, well, they offered the aerospace industry the ability to iterate designs virtually and cut metal for prototypes only when the likelihood of success was already very high. 
Now this makes sense as it's always cheaper to break parts virtually rather than build hardware and then go through the difficult forensic process of determining a failure mechanism from a pile of charred wreckage. So why is SpaceX blowing up so much hardware? Well, according to Elon Musk, the company has determined that it's actually faster to iterate with actual hardware, typically test articles, specifically tankage, than use a more software-intensive development process as we see in commercial and military aviation. Now, on the surface, this would seem to be completely irrational, but it illustrates something that a lot of engineering managers should probably consider, and that's the computational analysis and simulation, well, it isn't free. It appears to be cheaper than cutting metal, but it's highly time and labor intensive, and advanced CNC machining and additive manufacturing technologies, well, they significantly reduce the cost and time required to build test articles. And all-up system testing has one significant advantage. It tests multiple systems simultaneously, allowing several teams to qualify different parts of vehicle hardware and software concurrently. Now, it's a definite time and money saver. But in most manufacturing organizations, there's no Elon Musk urging the engineering team to fail faster. And there are consequences for someone when tens of thousands of dollars worth of hardware turns itself into metal confetti on the launch pad. Simulation is both a form of mistake proofing, but it's also a form of professional reputation protection for design engineers. In most forms of manufacturing, cost is king, and getting it right before job one rolls off the line is engineering philosophy that's chiseled into stone at most corporations. Rockets are essentially controlled explosions to begin with, and it's remarkable that Musk gives the SpaceX team the latitude to break so much hardware during development. But it is costly. And as failures mount, the pressure to create robust, reliable systems, well, that just increases. It may look like 1957 all over again. For many of us in manufacturing, nothing beats a good old-fashioned pressure test when qualifying a vessel. And it makes spectacular video. Thanks for listening to today's episode of End of the Line. Tune in again next time.